Welcome to the Playful Life Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal. Growing up, I struggled with my weight, self-confidence, and body image, and like many in my teens, I developed an eating disorder, I battled codependent behavior, and it all affected my mental health. As the years went by, I learned and grew in healing, and I found serenity, really in empowering others to let go of their pasts and to embrace their own leadership in their health and well-being. Now it is my mission as a coach, author, speaker, and podcast host to inspire and empower you to live your best, most playful life. On this podcast, you will hear from our guests about their personal struggles and breakthroughs in their health, careers, and relationships. You'll also receive tips, knowledge, and inspiration to tackle your own health goals and start living the dreams on your heart. Ready? Let's play. Joining me on the podcast today is the beautiful and stunning Amy Royster. And Amy shared such a wonderful personal and vulnerable story about growing up with a parent incarcerated and what that was like for her as a child growing up as she pursued her higher education and how she walks through life now with her head held high and bringing inspiration and empowering others to do the same. Amy was so gracious as she was crowned Mrs. Indiana America 2021. She just crowned back in June of this year. And she's just really excited to take on this platform, be able to reach many more people with her story and encouraging others. And I'm so excited to cheer her on as she goes to nationals. And this is just the beginning of her wonderful journey of inspiring others. Please enjoy this interview. Hello, Amy. Hi, Crystal. How are you? I'm doing excellent. How are you? Doing fine. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, of course. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And um, I love just... Of course, we're going to tell people that you are Mrs. Indiana, yes. and that's so exciting. So congratulations. So hence, <laughs> folks, why she is wearing a crown and a sash. Now, oh, there it is. if people are listening to the podcast, they won't see that. But I encourage you to go to YouTube and watch this because Amy yes. is just stunningly beautiful. So you are missing out if you are not seeing you. <laughs> And so I, and I love your backdrop. I think that's just so real. Oh, isn't that funny? Yeah, I'm in the laundry room for sure. And actually, I'll be honest, this is my mother's laundry room. My laundry room has way more clothes in it because we're a family of eight. And so there's never not laundry. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about that. Your family for sure. Big family. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I don't know. Let's start maybe at the beginning and uh, we'll talk a little bit about just your journey this year going to Mrs. Indiana and um, you know, how is it different maybe this year? Like the year that you win obviously is very different, but like, yeah. was there a different feeling going into it, a different mindset? I mean, what was that kind of like for you? Entirely. So a little bit of background on me. Um, I am turning 35 this year and I didn't start doing pageants until uh, a couple of years ago which was Mrs. Indiana. I did it three times back to back and the first time I competed 
I placed second runner up. The second time I competed, I placed second runner up. Oh, and then the third time I won. And it was a completely different mental experience for me. It really was. So I would say the first time I competed, I didn't have any expectations on winning. I was just trying it out and it was a lot of fun. And, but I got bit by the bug and I just truly felt like that was my journey. I just knew that that was for me, that that was what I was supposed to do. So when I went back last year and I played second runner up, I thought I was going to croak. Like, <laughs> but I know, I just know, I feel it. I feel that this was for me and I don't understand. And I think I really kind of clinched that dream a little too hard that I was too controlling of it. Um, it was sort of self-sabotage because when it didn't work out for me, I started having all those intrusive thoughts like, well, why am I not cut out for this? If I, I wanted this so much, why doesn't it want me back sort of thing? Mm. And I thought about it, got over myself, which it always takes a little bit of getting over yourself to get back up there and try again. Uh, and just went back into it with an open mind that if it doesn't work out for me, that it's okay, that it doesn't change anything. It doesn't change who I am. It doesn't change the work that I do. And I was so much more relaxed. And I truly felt when I was there that there, I could have shown up with purple hair and a horn and it still would have been for me because I was just in that right mind <laughs> mindset. <laughs> I was very relaxed about it and just showed up as my authentic self and I could just feel it all falling into place. And it was just the right time. I love that so much. I just, okay, can we first of all talk about how cool that is? This is your third pageant and you just like went out there and killed it and won. <laughs> like how awesome is that? Like, what a great story. Um, and too, like, a same for me. I was 33 when I did my first pageant. So mm-hmm. wasn't something I ever did, like, when I was younger, in my 20s. Right. And there's, like, a huge learning curve, right, to, like, even compete. Oh, my goodness. When you show up for that first time, you realize all the things that you don't know. <laughs> I mean, things you think, oh, well, address, And then you go in and you tell them a little bit about your way more than that. It's so much more than that. (laughs) The intricacies of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is. uh, Like Michaela says, a a sport, right? It really is, is, you know, something you train for and and everything Mm -hmm. else. So we'll get into that a little bit. You know, I love to, of course, tie in the health component of it all. Um, The mental health component of it too, which I think is really important, which you kind of touched on. So maybe let's talk about that a little bit and sort of, um, you know, was there, you know, anything you did specifically to sort of like regain that confidence going into this or, or what was yes. sort of like your, your go-to for the mental yes. and spiritual health of it? So what I did when I didn't win that second time and I really, really wanted it, uh, after I threw my very short pity party, I just took a look at myself and, and thought it was really honest. I was really honest with myself. Well, I I wasn't ready. I really wasn't ready. I wasn't fully able to talk about my platform and my life experiences without shutting down. And that's what told me you weren't ready because I would take the five to 10 mile lap around my story in an interview room. So they would say, you know, tell us about your platform. And instead of being able to say, 
my dad went to prison when I was six years old and that was really hard for me. And this is what I, what happened. I would pretty much do whatever I could to not say that. Mm. And, and I knew at that point that I wasn't fully comfortable. I hadn't fully embraced my own journey. So therefore I wasn't qualified to wear the crown and banner and go advocate for it fully, not to the fullest extent. It was a me thing. I wasn't quite ready for it. And, um, I recognized that. So what I did was I, I bought my way into a national pageant. I bought my way into the United States system under the title of Mrs. Illinois. And I went and I just left it all out there. I went out there just unashamedly and, and said my truth. And I had no expectations because I bought my way into it, just kind of a walk on. And I ended up placing top 10, <laughs> which was incredible. And I was so honored for that, but I wasn't there. I wasn't there to win. I was there to learn and I was there to grow. And I really did. I met some of the most incredible women that I would not know. They're my, some of my best friends. I wouldn't know them if I hadn't done it. And they very much rallied around me as I competed for Mrs. Indiana, which they knew that was what I wanted. And looking back, if I could go back in time and win the Mrs. Indiana title the second time I competed like I wanted so bad, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't make that trade because I grew and really leveled up inside. I did that mental work. And now I'm so happy and confident being able to talk about my platform, which is why I'm doing any of this in the first place. So. Yeah. It was just very much an inside, inside job. I had to get me ready and I just wasn't, it was yeah. true. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Like that takes a, a lot of courage and fortitude and bravery to like step out and say, wow, like you had just basically come off this kind of high, low situation yeah. with this is Indiana that we competed in together. And, and you were like, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> throw myself right. into a national pageant and just sink or swim. And that's awesome. Right. And I think those are the parts of life that like we have to hit to grow. Like you're saying, you know, like all or nothing, yep. leave it all on the table. Like, yeah. you know, and, and I love how you even said, like, you didn't really have any expectations except for just doing like, just doing it honestly. Yes. Just giving and, it giving it everything, being completely authentic, being myself, not trying to compare myself to other contestants and try and emulate that. I just showed up and, you know, I even changed my hair color. I was like, well, what, if, what's the real me? And I'm like, this is the real me. I'm going to show up like that. And it was so fulfilling to do that. A lot of people didn't understand my decision to do that. It seemed a little extreme, but I had some have pageant a pageant coach uh, crystal cave you was i was coaching with her and she encouraged me to get back out there um and try again really believed in me and really pushed me to not cower to a, a loss but to take it and use it because she you know really saw a lot in me she saw my abilities and uh, my story and wanted me to be able to use it like I wanted to it just felt like there's just a little bit of a mental block there and definitely going to a national pageant by myself in Florida never really traveled by myself before so that was oh wow well you have six six kids right yeah we do 
So yeah. like, that's impossible, right? Ever traveling by yourself. Being by myself in general. Is <laughs> yeah, being impossible. by yourself, right? <laughs> I'm surprised there's not like some child under your feet right now. Just like That's why I'm at my mom's house. I was like, I'm coming over because I have to get online on a podcast and I need you to watch my daughter. So, <laughs> so that is entirely why I'm in her laundry room and not mine. That is so awesome. <laughs> Just pure honesty. This is so great. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I think that's so like when you listen to any kind of business podcast or any kind of like, especially female entrepreneurs, I feel like. I listen to a lot of them, you know, and it's even they talk about sort of that exact thing, right? Coming out of a loss or losing it all or, you know, sort of like every successful person almost has this story, right? Where it was like, Mm -hmm. we lost everything or we were bankrupt or wow, you know, this big deal fell through. And then it's that decision. It's the decision right after you have a loss. I think that is like what you do next. It's what you do yeah agree completely and i am the most proud of that decision because i know that everyone would have understood probably even better if i just would have been like okay and let it go and and didn't pursue it further but uh competing for the same title three times there's a lot of pressure when you come back the third time because everyone's looking at you knowing full and well that you're only there a third time because you intend to win it or try to and um that that was pretty tricky for me to talk myself out of choking mm. <laughs> so I'm glad I managed <laughs> yeah isn't it such a weird like head game we play with ourselves in that situation yes yeah yeah, yeah. well nobody's I harder just... on ourselves than ourselves ah oh. Amen, sister. <laughs> yeah, feel that. Uh, I'm, a hor- I'm a horrible boss. <laughs> <I'm> a horrible <laughs> critic. <laughs> uh, it's true. It's true. We're our own worst enemy, too, at times, I feel. Yeah, for sure. So, well, so glad that you got out of your own way and just went for it. And so I'm really excited to, you know, talk to you about your platform a little bit. And yeah. You know, sort of get the story from you because um, I know when we competed, I, I think the only time I really heard about your platform was when you answered your question as one of the finalists. And I yeah. was like, oh, I remember just being so intrigued, you know, by what you were saying and um, just wanting to learn more. And so I'm, I'm so glad that this path has led us to this point. Mm-hmm. So I can really just hear that from you and and, and all about it. So, so, so tell me the story. Tell me the platform yeah. here. What's going okay, on? Well- my platform, I have kind of created my own self-founded platform called Above Your Circumstances. And in a general way, that's just encouraging all people to embrace their personal journeys and use them for self-development, personal growth and healing. And I was inspired to do that because when I was six, my dad uh, went to prison for life. And my normal everyday childhood, my the trajectory of my life, it was going one way and then it went a completely different way, just out of nowhere. And a lot of people don't understand that a parental incarceration or just not even parental, just an incarceration in general, um, impacts a family monetarily, so socioeconomic, uh, most families that have experienced the incarceration of particularly the male parent uh, are in poverty. And that was our 
that was our situation as well, because when you have to, when you lose half of an income for a household, usually the bigger half, if it's a father, uh, that changes your standard of living. Also paying all those legal fees. I know we had to sell everything, our house, our cars to pay for legal fees. And that wasn't even enough. You know? So um, that really impacts families more than people would think. And then on top of that, you have all of the mental health components. You have PTSD, you have anxiety, you have feelings of isolation, and then the social stigma because an incarceration is not a socially accepted loss. It is a loss that typically society sort of almost roots for in a way. Uh, if you get online and you read comments on news stories where someone's been convicted of something, it is not, you are not met with compassion. That is not in the conversation at all. Uh, so that is very damaging, especially for young people. And if you look at the statistics, you'll also see that these compounding issues often cause young people to engage in at-risk behaviors uh, or risk behaviors, which will then perpetuate the crime cycle. So then you have this huge spinning ball of trauma, <laughs> essentially, yeah. and it's multi-layered and it's complex because our justice system, which we want to believe is fair and just and, and, and it serves its purpose, it does, but one one thing begets the other. So we're solving one problem and creating six more. Uh, because there are not resources and because our society feels the way we do about crime and punishment in general. So it's, it's complicated. And I very much experienced many of those feelings and uh, socioeconomic situations. And for me, I still had a mother who was very strong, a working mother who worked as a nurse to provide and do the best she could. And she was very emotionally there for me and had my best interests at heart. And that was the key to allowing me to lead a very successful and productive life, despite any of the negativity that I felt inside me. And most kids who have a parent go to prison don't have a mother like that. They don't have that support system. So I was very fortunate and I'm able to recognize that. So it inspired me to provide those resources for young people who don't have them. So I've created a scholarship foundation for kids who have a parent in prison. And then I help connect families with resources, sort of like victim's assistance, but for the family of defendants where they could get help with lunch accounts, school clothes, Christmas presents, things like that. Wow, that is incredible. And I think what really hit me most about what you said is that idea of that loss that, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, your father might as well have passed away, right? Because so, he wasn't living in your death. life anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's, um, you know, when people, you know, I think when kids maybe lose a parent, right, there's that, of course, that sense of loss, but also mm -hmm. like there's that celebration of life that sort of happens, right? right that well, we're casseroles and cards and I'm sorry's and support and whatever I can do. Um, but when a parent goes to prison for life, people are just not speaking to you or giving you the side eye or gossiping. It's never a compassionate um, general sense of coming together. And I'm not saying that there aren't people who aren't sympathetic because there definitely were those, 
but overall as a community, absolutely not. <laughs> Opposite of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and even and, still, even still. Yeah. Oh, that's just breaks my heart. It really breaks my heart because I, I know that there are a lot of just a lot of situations like this around our country. And um, it just, it's, it's so baffling to me that as a free country and a, a country that prides itself on its freedom and sort of it's, you know, carrying the torch around the world for democracy and all these things and freedom of speech and free thinking and all these things that we have just so many people incarcerated right. um, and, and just, you know, the, the after effects, like not a lot of people think about the family, you know, think mm -hmm. about, you know, even, you know, for maybe people who don't have children, they still have sisters and brothers. They still have right. moms and Sons dads, and daughters, mm -hmm. you know, just, right. Yeah. Indiana is actually, I think the second highest percentage of uh, children who have an incarcerated parent in the United States. It's very high. Uh, the way that our drug laws are in Indiana, the sentencing, um, it, we have this issue impacts a lot of kids in Indiana alone. Uh, nationally, the number's staggering. Wow. So it's wow. more common than people think. Um, but I know I've found that when I've spoken on this publicly, I always have someone come up to me privately afterwards and say, thank you so much for saying this because that happened to me too or that happened my niece is uh, my brother is in prison and my I'm taking care of my nieces and and it's nice to know we're not alone it's nice to hear it discussed uh with out from underneath that stigma that stigma is really damaging aside from all these other parts like the poverty or the you know, just financial issues or any of the moving pieces the stigma just is the salt in the wound yeah yeah, absolutely. And I just, I feel like you're such an inspiration in this, in this community because of all the things that you've achieved, you know, you're obviously an awesome mom. You're like an amazing <laughs> woman all around. Right. I mean, you take, you're taking care of your health and I know that you're career driven and, and all these things. So it's, um, I think it's just, it just is really amazing that God has given you all these blessings and that you, you're, you, you took him and were grateful, it seems with them and said, well, how could I turn around and help someone else instead of, right. so like you were saying, sort of like perpetuating that victim mm -hmm. cycle and the victim exactly. mentality. Yeah. I read, um, I saw it somewhere. I didn't come up with it, but that the final stage of healing is being able to use it to help other people. Uh, so it's that I've lived this as a journey. I didn't just come out of it this way. There were ups and downs. I was angry. I was bitter. I was traumatized. I was, you know, hateful. I, I lived it as a total roller coaster. And I'm so grateful. I am so grateful that God has given me the ability to see it for what it is and understand that I can make beauty of ashes by taking this terrible situation and just loving people through theirs truly that's at the end of the day that's what i want out of it it's all I want. yeah yeah oh wow oh my gosh i was like chills um <laughs> so so what are some of the ways that um i guess you're maybe sharing the platform or getting out there or you know raising money for the scholarships mm -hmm. you know what are some of the things around it 
Well, the scholarship was the piece that came first, and I named it after my dad. Uh, it's called the Bradford Foundation Scholarship, and that is crowdfunded. And I've also partnered with a local craft vendor to make earrings that were in the shape of a compass rose, kind of just for the symbol of like direction um, and moving forward uh, and sold those to help fund the scholarship. And I've been able to give away a thousand dollars three times. So three years consecutively. So it's very exciting. Uh, it's small, but it's small, but meaningful how I always put it. Uh, and it is my goal to speak two times a month about my platform to just raise awareness. And then now my ultimate goal is to create a mentorship program for uh, at-risk youth. I've been involved with programs uh, for kids who have a parent in prison, but I really want to expand that and maybe partner with the Boys and Girls Club or the uh, YWCA, YMCA, and have just a program that addresses some of these bigger issues that really do impact teens. I found that, and I'm a high school teacher, so that's the, kind of where I'm speaking from. Teenagers really do like to talk more than they let on. They do open up and they do want to open up, usually not to their parents. That's the key thing. Teenagers opening up to their parents is just not a thing, but, <laughs> but they do want to open up to adults. And I found as a teacher that I had many students share their experiences with me, not necessarily about having a parent go to prison. Some did, but just in general. And uh, they really do want grownups to tell them what to do with it. And I know that there are worthy programs out there, but I would like to start my own, turn my platform into a nonprofit and partner with one of these, you know, Boys and Girls Clubs, YWCA, to provide that support for them. Yeah, that's awesome. Or even, you know, maybe something that would be in public high schools or something mm -hmm. around the After country. school programs yeah. are great. Uh, just a place to go and being able to casually talk about it and address some of those feelings in a safe place. And it also be useful. I find that building mental toughness, talking about dream building, being able to just look outside of what's right in front of you and these feelings you have right here and now and focus on the bigger, more promising pieces of life is a great first step to overcoming those things. You have to have hope. And many of these young people just don't have that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially I think most people in high school, it's like your, <laughs> yeah. your blinders are on, right? You think yeah. like, this is the way life's always gonna be and this sucks, right? <laughs> I was and, just saying that to my husband about our own 14 year old. I was like, it's like he can only see two inches in front of his face and it drives me crazy. It's like, you have to have more foresight than that, but he doesn't have those neural pathways developed yet because he hasn't lived longer than 14 years. You know? Right. It's infuriating as a mother, but it's just the way it is. It's developmental. Oh my gosh. That's so true. That's so true, right? It's like, what's your life experience up until now? And those teenagers are really like the hardest, you know, on you because all these changes are happening to you physically and emotionally and socially and all these things. And yeah, I just, I feel like that's, you know, that's a huge thing that, you know, we talk about my husband and I a lot, like having music as a way of healing for, you know, young people. Cause when we were that age, that's how we dealt with it. You know, we turned to music and songwriting and expression. And, um, you know, anytime I meet, 
high school kids or just young adults, I'm like, life gets better. This is not the way it's going to be forever. You know, I want to know who ever told the first high schooler that these are the best years of their life. I want to meet that person and just give them a piece of my mind because it's the worst advice ever. It is not. It is not. Exactly. I was, you know, I, I feel bad for people who look at, who look back on high school and like, oh, those are the glory days. I'm like, oh no. Oh no, no, I agree. I mean, I think you can have some really great experiences and some people just loved it. I wasn't one of them. I did not love that. Uh, but yeah, no, it does get better. The more you mature, the, you see the world differently. It's yeah. not so easy. Yet. <laughs> yes, definitely. That's awesome. And just speaking on like, you know, congratulations and really just honoring you for giving away those scholarships. Like, yeah, it might not be a full ride somewhere, but like every little bit really counts. And um, I actually just had uh, Jennifer Garrison on, which competed with you this year. And she was talking about, you know, her scholarship fund and, mm -hmm. and how, you know, when she was growing up really like, a, or going to college, like a thousand dollars was like, Oh my God, thank you. Like, yeah. because sometimes it's just piecing together all those little bits. And mm -hmm. for me too, I remember like, man, I was working full time, putting myself through school, like just the books alone are so expensive. Yeah. So any kind of help at all, like to just put you over that hump, right. you know, is really, yes. really helpful. I agree. And that's maybe one day it can be a full ride. That's a secret, not not so secret dream of mine. I would love to be able to partner with some bigger organizations that can help fund that. And I would love to make those connections. So one day I hope to be able to really bless multiple students just symbolically. And a small little backstory on the symbolism there is that uh, my father is a highly educated man. Uh, he has, uh, he almost has a doctorate maybe in philosophy and theology. I don't know, he's, he's very smart. Um, and he truly does believe after mentoring many people in prison with him, that education is the way out. That education is the key to stopping the crime cycle because it rewires your brain. You're able to think less Im immediately and it changes you. And so he, feel strongly that that is the key to stopping this mass incarceration. And uh, I agree with him as a teacher, I agree with him. So symbolically, the scholarship, uh, it's very meaningful to us. And I hope it's also meaningful to the people who get it, which I, they seem very grateful. Um, but it definitely blesses me double. Oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's amazing. And just how like connected you are to education, right? I mean, now you're a teacher. And so, I mean, did that, was that sort of like an inspiration for you becoming, you know, a teacher sort of being a part of that education for other people? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's the honest answer. I didn't think that I wanted to be a teacher when I graduated high school. I wanted to go into the medical field and, um, I, which was strange because I had earned art scholarships. I won a championship for 2D art in high school. I mean, it was a very artistic person. I still am. I express it through my DIYs, if you follow that. Yes. Um, but so I graduated and I went into pre-med biology, got half of a semester in and it's like, I hate it here. This is not for me. I am not a medical person. What am I doing here? 
And so I tried my hand at the School of Business and I sat through my first business law course and I was like, nope, not for me either. I'm not a business law person, uh, which is funny because now we're small business owners and I have to know all that stuff anyway. Uh, <laughs> and I went to job, like I ended up doing a job shadow at a high school and I remember leaving that day and calling my mom and saying, I know what I want to do. I want to be, I want to be an English teacher. This is the right thing for me. This is what I was meant to do. And um, despite the fact that I would be poor because we don't pay our teachers enough, whoever's listening, you need to get on that. Uh, they are saints. But I yes. really felt that that was my path and I love it. I do love it. I am good at it. Uh, but I never would have thought that I would have picked that for me. <laughs> yeah. So oh, it sounds like you've just been like answering God's call all your life. Like, God, like God be dragging me around. <laughs> He'd be dragging me around by my hair, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's taking you all the way to Vegas, girl. And, yes. You know, to this is America. This is America. So, and this is world. Yes. Let's just put that out there. Let's yes, speak that, that into the world. No. <laughs> you are ready. You are ready for that. <laughs> so ready. If I'm, I'm ready now, if I'm ever going to be, so. That's right. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. So, so amazing. I, I just, I feel so blessed by this conversation. I, I always tell people like, I feel like this podcast is like sort of a selfish thing for me because I get to talk to just amazing people and have these conversations and you know it's hard when people are busy and you know have crazy schedules and stuff to like actually sit down and like have a conversation with people and I feel like this really just allows me to enrich my life and so I, I hope that you know I'm enriching other people by you know giving them a platform to speak and and hopefully just bringing this message to others that you know, hopefully people go like, oh, I never thought of that that way or, or mm -hmm. wow, that's a really interesting perspective on something. So, right. so I just thank you for, for blessing us with that today. And um, I feel blessed to be here. I love, I love that you do this and I always watch them and there's just so much gold that comes out of them. I'm blessed that I get to be a part of that gold today. Hopefully someone takes something away from it, even if it's just, you know, we all go through things and uh, the defining moment is what we do with them, what we do with it. It's right. It doesn't have to be the end. It doesn't have to destroy you if you choose otherwise. I mean, yeah. You can rebuild. You can turn something really ugly into something beautiful if you choose to. It's it all starts here. Yeah. Oh, like you said, beauty from ashes, right? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Easier said than done, I will say. Right? I mean, it's work, but you can do it. And there are so many people out there who will hold you your hand while you do that. We've mm. all been through things, and mm. I feel like this is a shared human experience, just adversity, and um, we all live our life, and things happen, and we overcome them, and we get stronger, and we go out into the world, and we bless others with our knowledge and our experiences. Yeah, yeah. Well, not everybody does that, so know no, that. Like, you know, you're... I'm manifesting that we all do that. Right? The world would be so much different. We're not going to spill our trauma on each other for the sake of bad. We're not going to do that. Right. Oh, exactly. Oh, goodness. Um, so kind of in that, in that light, right? How do you, how are you, I guess, mentally and, you know, a little bit physically preparing yourself for the next step here at Mrs. America? 
well, I took the rest of June off. Uh, I worked out so hard for two years in a row, didn't really take a break. And so the pageant was June 5th and I told myself I would give myself to July 1 to just sort of mellow out. And I've been doing that and it's been a great time. Lots of Chinese food, <laughs> lots of pizza. Um, but going forward physically, I'm gonna, I love to exercise. I say that I wanted a break, but I love to work out. I do bar fitness which those of you who aren't familiar, it's very a mix of ballet and Pilates style workout. It's really good for balance, uh, really works your core and your glutes. And it's sort of graceful. I really enjoy that part, feeling very connected and rooted. And uh, a lot of it's mental. So usually set an intention for yourself before you exercise and think about that intention while you're doing the workouts. And it's a good, it's just pleasant. Um, and then also lifting weights and doing cardio the closer we get to Mrs. America. So I, I just want to feel very strong in my body, very comfortable in my skin. Um, and then mentally, I'm just going to go in with the same mindset that I did when I bought my way into that national pageant. I am happy to be there. I'm so honored to represent Indiana. The fact that I get to do that is once in a lifetime opportunity and I have no expectations. I'm going to show up as myself, the best version of myself and just be entirely grateful to be there. And that is, I feel so much less stressed about going to Vegas for nationals than I did about competing for Mrs. Indiana. This yeah. time, yeah. so much more laid back because wow. I'm already going. They can't, you know, I'm already going. Right. Right. That's true. Right. Yeah. So, and like you said, you competed three, you know, three times in a row to get this, you know, the Indiana title and how much, you know, pressure almost that there was on you that you, you felt, you know, to kind of really just show up and, and be awesome. And, you know, yeah. it's really, yeah, people really know when you come back that third time that your intention is to win, that you want to win. It's not for any other thing. It's because you want to win it. And coming in the third time, you, it's a head game with yourself really just staying out of your head and staying confident and true to yourself and knowing what be, what will be will be and being okay with the outcome and uh that was all the difference so going into mrs america you know i've never been there before nobody is expecting anything out of me necessarily other than to show up and just give it my very best which I will too. Yeah. And uh, just, I'm going to enjoy the ride because I'll never get it back. Oh, I'm going to have a great that. time. No, you're so right. You're so right. Have fun, right? I will. Yeah. I want to have fun, meet some Yellow. people, <laughs> <laughs> look great in some dresses. Or <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. So I know it's a ways away, but like, are your kids going to go see you? Like, I'm taking the crew? <laughs> yeah. I know my parents are coming. My husband is going to come out there. Um, I'm not sure. My, my kids are so funny about it. They are so amused with this. They're like, so what do you do? And what's the crown for? Because our oldest five are boys. So we have our four-year-old daughter, a seven-year-old son, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 13 and 14. Those are boys. And so they're just kind of watching me do what I do. And they're like, <laughs> What are you doing? Oh my gosh. How 
do you manage that life? That is so crazy. That's so crazy. I think humor and lots of Febreze. That's the only way. You just have to laugh at all of it and just hose them down. That's like. <laughs> also, how many, how, like, how did that many children come out of you? Because you they, were like. Oh, well, they did not. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, we're, okay. we're a blended family kind of oh. creative kind of style. So three of them I am responsible for genetically, <laughs> the youngest three. Uh, but my husband had three handsome bonus babies for me to love when we got married. So that's um, awesome. Well, I get to do the stepmom thing. And uh, that's a whole different stepmoms out there. No step parents. That's a whole different ride. And it's very rewarding in its own way. So I'm blessed. Gosh across the board with a big family. My kids are so funny. And the older they get, the more fun it really has been for us because they're all so different. Yeah. They're all very different. Well, I'll say your oldest, they got, they hit the jackpot with getting you as their stepmom because you're, I mean, you're just so awesome. Like, cool. look at you, I'm, right? See, I'm kind of strictish at home. <laughs> I'm funny, but I'm strict. So I think sometimes they get a little annoyed with my expectations, but my parents were what I would call strict. And I know that's just, that's how I love. I just, I know what they should, in my opinion, what they should do to have a happy life. And sometimes they don't agree with it as mm -hmm. teenage boys, but mm -hmm. um, they know. No, they'll appreciate it when they're like 30. Yeah, they will. Mm -hmm. They know I love them. So. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, this has been so amazing. So before we go, I want to honor your time here. Um, tell us, you know, where can people find you? You know, what's sort of a, maybe a call to action, some way that people can help you along your journey to get to Mrs. America, or if somebody is just really resonating with your platform and what you're doing, you know, how can we get connected? All right. So if you want to just follow me on social media, you can find me on Facebook under Amy Royster or the Mrs. Indiana America pageants. Facebook, where you can follow me and our first runner-up title holder for Mrs. American, which is Christy Carey, and she's amazing. And then our Miss Indiana, Amelia Dean. So you can find us all there at the Mrs. Indiana America Pageants Facebook page. Also, same place on Instagram. Um, and as far as getting involved in my platform, always looking for donations for next year for the Bradford Foundation Scholarship. Also looking to partner with any organizations who would like to implement an early intervention program. Always would love to talk about that because that's my next step. And then as far as helping me on my way to Mrs. America, God willing, I can bring home the crown to Indiana. Um, gosh, we were so close with justice. I thought it was going to happen. No! Oh, okay. <laughs> Forever Mrs. America right there. Um, but you can, of course, pray for me and send positive vibes uh, as I prepare. And also still looking for corporate sponsorships. So if you would like your name to be affiliated with the Indiana title holder, which is me, uh, you could always reach out uh, as far as a corporate sponsor or personal sponsor. So those are some ways that you can help me and bless me. Um, but as far as uh, just your prayers and support mean everything to me as I prepare. Uh, nationals are in November the week before Thanksgiving. So. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. Okay. Well, yeah, stay tuned guys. Cause this is going to be a fun ride. And um, <laughs> yes, I mean, I will be sending lots and lots of prayers your way. And of course, just good vibes, good energy. And I mean, I feel like you just, 
you attract that as well because you're just that's what you're putting out in the world and so it's it's going to come back to you and whatever god has planned for you it's just it's going to be amazing whether right. it's, i'm here for it whatever it is yeah I'm here for it, so. yeah yeah, thank you so much for having me on today. I'm very blessed by that and your friendship. So thank you so much. Yes, likewise. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, for everybody that we're going to link below how to get in touch with Amy. So if you weren't taking notes when she was saying, <laughs> you could just follow the links. Uh, they'll all be there for you. So thank you again and uh, have an awesome rest of your day and best wishes to you. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. If someone you love would benefit from this message, please, please share this podcast with them. And if you want more out of your life, not just surviving every day, but you want to truly thrive, visit me at crystallizedhealthadvisors.com or on Facebook to schedule your free dream strategy call with me today. Do not hesitate any longer. Life is short and I want you to truly live the playful life. I will see you next time and as always, stay playful.